Welcome, everybody. You are on the Daily Drive with Denise. And no matter where you are in the world, I'm so thankful you stopped by and that we have this time together. You know, the Daily Drive with Denise is all about helping people move forward to make better decisions in their lives by finding that little invisible gift we all have and harnessing that innate ability we all call intuition. And sometimes we let that little voice slip right by us. So each and every week, besides myself, I bring on guests from all over the world, all walks of life to amplify that message of how using your intuition, mindfulness and creativity, your energy will help you live with a better sense of purpose, right? You're the one in charge. There's one steering wheel in a car for, for a good reason. Trusting your life and living a little bit more fully, professionally and personally. So, you know, I grew up believing, and I believe it to this day, you cannot be a success until you help other people be a success. And I'm so grateful that every guest that comes on really believes and has that shared belief in supporting the collective good and making a meaningful difference. So each and every week, we bring on somebody spectacular. We start usually with a mindful minute. I'm going to keep my mindful minute brief today because I really, really want you to meet who's coming on. But the mindful minute this week is we know we have Zoom fatigue. We know we have work from home remote kind of itis. And I might even go as far as to say, you know, we're restless with the other people that are sharing our workspaces at home. What can we do? What can we do to shift our energy? Uh, And I'm not going to employ some meditative practice. What I'm going to say is shift your energy and go out in service to someone else. For this mindful minute this week, I'm suggesting you find someone you can write a letter to, a card, beyond a birthday card, some sort of thank you note, some sort of appreciation. Two things happen. Not only does it help you get out of your own way and shift gears, you're sending energy out. And when that person receives it, we know that people receive only 16 pieces of mail versus the 213 average emails on a daily basis. So when somebody's at their mailbox in times like this and they receive your energy, there's nothing more powerful than that for yourself. Try that a few times this week and see and let me know what you think. You can find us on Instagram at The Daily Drive with Denise. You can also find us on Facebook or you can go to thedailydrivewithdenise.com and let me know what's working for you. Moving right along. When I say fascinating conversations on the Daily Drive, buckle up, we've got one today. Alana Fink is an exceptional person. Talk about resiliency. Now, you might have seen her. She is a health and well-being professional, spent a great deal of her career in the media, leading wellness brands, a writer, a speaker, on television as an expert, yoga teacher, strategy, currently She's the uh, VP at Microlibrium, particularly focusing on the powerful sciences of resiliency and cognitive behavioral therapy. Now, what I love about Microlibrium and what they do is they also are a performance solution that harnesses behavioral technology and neuroscience. And believe it or not, I believe there's a huge, huge connection with the neuroscientists or the neuroscientists. Ah, we'll skip that and your intuition. So I want to bring on Alana. She's live with us today from Boston. Are you there, Alana? Yes, I sure am. Thanks for having me. 
Welcome. Welcome to The Daily Drive with Denise. I want you to talk to our audience today, not only about, I'm going to kind of drop the bomb in advance, being a breast cancer survivor, but an incredible journey, your life uh, in the media. But take us back and let our audience know, because it's, it's so interesting to me, where you grew up and what inspired you. Sure, yeah. All the way back to the beginning. I love it. Yes. So my parents were hippies. They, um, my dad's been meditating, you know, since the 60s, before, way, way, way before it was cool or in or way before anyone was talking about it. Um, and I grew up on an organic farm. You know, my mom baked our bread and, you know, just very, um, you know, I, I sort of, I, I like to say well-being is in my blood because it, you know, it has been since birth. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of where I got my roots around health and well-being. But, of course, you know, when I got in my early 20s, I wanted, you know, growing up, I wanted very little to do with living on a farm. All I wanted to do was move to New York City. That wasn't Trey Chic anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's what I did. You know, I um, I graduated college and moved to New York and Was that Um, that intuitive or is that just like I'm getting out of the farm? I just knew I wanted to. um, My grandfather, who was my mentor, my, um, you know, just an amazing person. He was a journalist in the, you know, in New York and in Washington, D.C. for many, for his whole career. He lived to 103. And And he worked. You've got good genes. You've got good genes. Yeah. And he worked till he was in his late 80s. But um, he was my inspiration and my mentor. And so I always knew I wanted to go to New York and, you know, become a journalist. And I got a job at Elle magazine, my first job after college. And, um, oh, check that yeah. box, right. That's a big feather in the cap coming right exactly. out of college. Okay. Yeah. When there, when there were still magazines to work at, um, yeah. And just led a very, you know, fast, stressful life in New York. And, um, so you were you what, know, in your that- early twenties at that point? Yeah, my early 20s. And then just kind of was looking for ways to kind of, you know, build my own health and well-being back. And that's when I found yoga and did a training and became a teacher. And kind of that started my journey kind of coming full circle, I would say, coming back to um, health and well-being. And I've kind of been in that space ever since. So were you in the health and well-being space while you were in the media? Because I know that you've worked for Elle, Martha Stewart, Omni Media. Like, how did you graduate over into uh, a fascinating company like Microlibrium? Sure. Yeah, it's great. Yes, I did. I, um, I eventually became the editor-in-chief of a magazine and a brand called Body and Soul. I remember and it. That, yeah, yeah, it was... Um, it uh, was a magazine that Martha Stewart, a media property that Martha Stewart ended up purchasing, um, and uh, and we grew it. So I came to work uh, af- worked there after Martha Stewart had purchased it, and yeah, and grew that brand. It was all about health and well being and green living. This was sort of you know 2006 to nine or ten when you know all those conversations were starting to happen. So were, and, you, were you the crazy well-being expert, but still working gargantuan hours, like around the <laughs> clock, not practicing what you preached, maybe? Um, maybe a little. I mean, I also had two kids under the age of, you know, three at that time. Uh, I had one and then had my second child. So it was a very busy time for me. I tried my best to find some balance, but it 
let's be honest, it was really, really hard. Uh, especially because the magazine was based in Boston, but Martha Stewart was in, the rest of the company was in New York. So there was a lot of travel back and forth with young kids and everything. So yeah, definitely had its challenges. So when you were, you know, knee deep in the experience of being a wellness expert, was there ever any talk back then about intuition or sense of purpose or finding that inner voice? Or was it more just the mind, body, spirit, like feeding your mind healthy, feeding your body healthy, et cetera. Anybody talking about the sixth sense? Yeah, actually, uh, I remember we did a big story in Body and Soul on intuition um, back then. And it's something that I feel like has been around for quite some time. And um, and we were we were very interested in it because it's, a, it's about um, awareness and and getting quiet and noticing, you know, what's going on around you and, and, and seeing and sort of and feeling instead of kind of like pushing and thinking through. And I think those ideas have been around for a long time. Um, and I've always thought it was important that that part of the conversation of health and well-being and wellness was included, you know. So how did you move out of your media career into the career you're in now? What was the transition like? Was there any intuition in the underpinnings yeah. of those choices? Yeah, definitely. I got uh, the reason I, I, I love how I ended up. I have to tell the story of how I ended up at Body and Soul magazine okay. because Let's it's incredible. It. So um, I was living in New York at the time and um, a headhunter had called and um, kind of recruited me to interview for the job as the editor in chief of Body and Soul. And um, and I love the publisher so much. Her name is Jan Bruce, and she is also the CEO of Equilibrium. And we just hit it off. And um, so, but the you know the property was based in Boston, the media property. So we moved up to Boston. But throughout the interview process, I'm like, "Where are you located?" And she's like, "Oh, well, we're in Watertown." And I was like, "Watertown? Yeah. I, I'm originally <laughs> I'm originally from Boston." Uh-huh. And I was like, "Watertown? I know Watertown." And I'm like, where in Watertown? And she said, well, 42 Pleasant Street. And I said, 42 Pleasant Street? I was like, are you kidding me? So my dad and his friends uh, in the 70s had a meditation center in the building on the floor where Body and Soul magazine was located. You've so got I to said, be kidding me. I am not kidding you. I am not. Talk about signs. So when mm. I learned that, that like this magazine was located literally where I had like spent so much time like basically out. grew up yeah <laughs> yeah and I was coming full circle I was like okay this is meant to be so it's a funny little story but you know there are signs um do you look that, for signs that, as a professional or do you allow them to happen like when did I know you kind of grew up in that fashion but did you always allow them to happen and do you look for them now or were you just like wow I, that's a pretty cool sign to me, it w- it made it uh, made the decision clear. I mean, this was a big decision for us. We were leaving New York, and as a magazine and a publishing professional, there aren't that many jobs outside of New York. So once I moved my whole family to Boston, mm-hmm. like, what if something happens? You know, <laughs> and but I knew it was right. It, it just to me, I couldn't deny this coming full circle. It was just too drop you know <laughs> yeah I mean talk about a serendipitous sign kind of whacking you in the head so did you tell yeah. your husband and your children like I've got to go because I grew up in this building and it <laughs> and it means yeah. something to me yeah when we just had one baby at the time so he wouldn't have been part of the decision but yeah my husband and I talked about it and 
he we both were just like yeah this is you know this is meant to be so sometimes you just know right right and so that's you, one of those times you arrive in boston what happens so yeah so we um we got a house and we still live in the same place this was in what 2006 um and yeah, and we've been here ever since, and it's been an uh, incredible journey. And and I joined Equilibrium, where I am now, uh, about five years ago this month. And the and the CEO Dan Bruce was the publisher of Body and Soul. So yeah, like so, another serendipitous event. Yeah, so she, um, you know, five years ago got some great funding for this venture and. Uh, was, you know, and asked for me to come on and join her. And I um, think she's an amazing person. And I love the mission and the vision of the company and uh, what we're doing. And so I hopped aboard. So tell me how you use intuition in your daily life, because it sounds like, you know, you are this powerhouse media maven, TV expert, then you're the yoga, health and wellness farmy. Like it, it feels to me like I'm sensing that you use intuition every day. Yeah, I definitely do. At least I use sort of my definition or how I've kind of defined it for myself every day. Um, I, I I was sort of thinking about it coming onto the show of like, well, what is my what is my process? And I think you know, since um, beating cancer, you know, it was just last year I was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was March 2019, and um, it's been a definitely a journey in the last. Um, 12 to 14 months. Congratulations, um, by the way. Thank you. Thank Maybe you. we yeah. should talk about that. How, before we answer how you use intuition every day, how did you discover that you had breast cancer? Was that an accident? Was that a regular mammogram? Yeah. Is it so, running your family? Yeah, no, there's actually no even cancer on either side of my family. So I felt like I, it wasn't something that I needed to worry about. And being under the age of um, 45 at the time, I didn't feel they had just changed the protocol where you didn't need them as frequently until age 50. And I just wasn't feeling an urgency to get a mammogram. And I actually hadn't gotten one in over seven years. And that's because in part, because like a lot of working busy, not like I just wasn't putting myself first. And so I avoided it and didn't do it. And, but thank goodness, my body kind of was telling me that something was wrong and I got like a blister for lack of a better word on my breast I thought it was like a infection because I exercise a lot I work out a lot yeah turns out that was the cancer it was the pushing out of my body the, wow the tumor so um so I thank goodness every day that I had this um outward expression of it that really made me focus on it and take care of it and so how long was the process from when you, well, first of all, for seven years, not having a mammogram, wow, you really weren't right. practicing any good self-care there. But no. I'm glad that you found, I, I know it sounds weird, that you found that and you went, but how long was the journey? Was it a month, a year? What was it like? Yeah, so I, and I tell that story to, um, I, and I share that story, I'm not proud of it, but I, I know that I'm not the only one oh, that no. puts off 
self-care and taking care of ourselves and doing those things, those really important things. That's like, why we have yeah, the show, sure. Alana. Yeah, yeah. You can ex- <laughs> like you can exercise and eat well, but if you're not getting your mammogram or going to see your doctor, like that's a problem. And and it's a big lesson that I learned. That, um, but um, yeah. So I was diagnosed in in March, March nineteenth, and then uh, April seventh. Just several weeks later, I had a mastectomy. Um, so, uh, and then I, thank goodness, uh, I didn't need chemotherapy or radiation. Wow. You were so fortunate. Congratulations. So fortunate. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. I hadn't traveled, hadn't traveled to the rest of my body. It stayed located, um, in the breast. And so I had the mastectomy and then had a second surgery to finish reconstruction. And then I'm just on a therapy where they force you into menopause. You know, I take a, a pill and a shot because my cancer grows from uh, hormones, you know, from estrogen and progesterone. So um, they want to cut it off in the body. I'm so, so congratulations again on your wellness. So what does life look like for you now? You know, what are you doing to, I want to go back to my question that I, I said, let's put a pause on it. How do you use intuition every day in your life? Because yeah. I think it's probably really important for not only our audience to learn from your story, but hopefully give them some ways that they can use their intuition. I think what happens is many times people think they know what intuition is, but help them discover a definition of um, intuition with me that they can, you know, sink their teeth into, if you will. Yeah. For me, intuition at its core is trusting yourself. Mm, And yeah, it really, it is, it is for me at, at its core. It's really about that. And I have sort of a, a practice for lack of a better word that, um, helps me do that. You know, it helps me get, um, get to that place where I, um, trust myself and, um, can kind of access that. And for me, I am a like super type A, if you haven't noticed already from the discussion thus far, type A perfectionist, like high functioning anxiety person. That is just, that is, it has worked well for me in many ways. I'm That's your driven. resting rate. <laughs> exactly. I'm very driven, but like at the, on the other side of it, I can feel a lot of anxiety. And when you're in feeling negative emotion, whether it's anxiety, anger, frustration, any, any of those, like you can't tap your intuition. You, you are really, you're kind of stuck in the stress zone. You're shut so it off. Me, yeah, exactly. For me, my step one, I kind of have this three-step process of tapping my intuition. The first step is I've got to clear my anxiety. I've got to clear those negative emotions. And at Equilibrium, we have this great technique that we use. It's called trap it, nap it, zap it. Mm-hmm. Very catchy. Love it. Um, that, that helps, that really helps you do it. And you can do it as many times a day as you want. Once you get the hang of it, it becomes automatic. But uh, are we going to role play this? Should I be the? Uh... Do you want it? Yeah, come on, let's do it. <laughs> all right. So you want to? We are all wired to feel negative emotions more quickly and easy, easily than positive emotions. You know, things like I said, anger, anxiety, frustration, shame, sadness, and we're we're all kind of um, we have something called an emotion radar. So we're, we'll tend to feel one of those negative emotions more easily than others. And mine is anxiety. Someone else could be an anger person, what have you. So what you want to do is you want to trap the emotion, like trap the feeling. So you want to sort of try to become aware of when you're feeling, for me, when I'm feeling anxiety. 
so it's like a tightness in the stomach or my jaw's been clenched or my shoulders are up by my ears or my heart's beating quickly. Um, For me, I know, repeat the same thought like 952 times in my head in a second. There you go. There you go. It's just a railroad so want, track. That's right. We want to trap that emotion. And then you want to map it. Every emotion is tied to a thought. So what am I thinking? You map it to a thought. Oh, right. So then you, to your point, you, you tune into the thought. What am I thinking? Oh, I'm never going to finish this project. Oh my God. You know, what about my cancer? Is it, am I going to be okay? Yeah, whatever those are. You, you tune into that, the thought or thoughts that are driving the emotion. So that's mm-hmm. the map it, trap it, map it. And then you want to zap it. You want to, which is basically reframing. So we will tend to, as you know, go from zero to a hundred or A to Z so quickly and uh we're not really uh seeing recalibrating for the realistic is what i like to say you know Mm -hmm. so just pull yourself back even if it's only two steps three steps how can you reframe that thought you know to something that's more realistic you know you're worried that like you're gonna never be able to finish the project and you're gonna end up fired homeless on the street you know no job right right it's like okay (laughs) you're catastrophizing Exactly. Maybe I'm, it's going to be really stressful for the next few days, but I'll likely finish this and it'll be fine. You know, so however, um, you know, just reframing, however, you're going to sort of become aware of how far over you went and just can you bring yourself back even one step. Did you use this in your cancer treatment? So much. I can't even tell you how many times. I mean, so much worst case scenario thinking can happen. And I really put my skills around resilience to the test. And I'm so thankful I have them because this is one technique that I just use all the time because you just have to constantly reframe. Like, no, like I, you know, I'm going to be okay. And even if I'm not okay, I'm going to be okay. You know, like I will get through this. And it was a very powerful technique to just bring me back to calm. And I know you are a Duke trained integrative, integrated health coach and you have a show on youtube do you want to or not a show but a a, a channel uh do you want to tell us a little bit about that and how you help people move forward with this technique yeah i would love to so yeah i'm a it's part of my like my for lack of a better word my growing from the challenge i've been through as going to breast cancer, I really wanted to become a health coach. And so I went through the Duke program and I am a Duke, um, a Duke trained integrative health coach, which just means I integrate both Eastern and Western modalities into my um, practice with my clients. And um, yeah, and I have a YouTube channel called The Stress Coach that where I'm posting videos um, to help people manage their stress, giving them tips and tricks and techniques to manage stress and build their resilience and really thrive in their lives. And you can also find me at, you know, at the stresscoach.org. When you're working with your clients and what are you seeing nowadays? Like what is, I know we've got so much going on in these changing times, but what is the common, um, I don't want to say complaint, but what's the common denominator for people in today's society? I know it's been overstressed, overstimulated, but beyond those sort of generic terms that we all experience, what do you see as the number one thing that people need help with? I mean, at its, at its core, I mm. think people just want to be happy, feel good, and thrive. I mean, at their core, everyone has different stuff going on, whether it's career stuff or, 
you want to um, get your health to a better place or, um, you know, get better sort of practices going or boot, a boost in your career, whatever it is at its core, people just want to um, be happy and feel good, I think. I mean, that might be an oversimplification, but at, at its absolute core, it is. But that being said, I have clients that come to me for everything from they've been diagnosed with diabetes or something like that, and they need some help getting, a, you know, a healthy living plan to people that need more techniques around stress and resilience and well-being to those that want some help and figure out how to, how can I like get to that next level of my career? But it tends to span quite a wide range. So I spend a lot of time working with clients as well, and it tends to be in their, their uh, business strategy and, and helping them move forward in their businesses aside from some personal coaching. And I often sense immediately after spending a little bit of time with them, what's going on maybe on a deeper level. And sometimes it's not always what they say, or although it can be, I sense, you know, things through their body language or things like in their environment. You know, when you walk into their space, you can almost feel what's going on. Do you have any of those kind of things when you're working with your clients or when you're going into, you know, relatively new cases where you've kind of kind of br- got to bring your whole bag of tricks. Do you use any of those sensing mechanisms? And if so, like, what are they? Absolutely. That's a great, that's a really great question. And one of the foundations of coaching is um, what we call presencing and other focused listening. So it really is creating a space and space for the client to, um, to, speak and to express themselves and to really listen. You you will know this, but others may be surprised that we most of the time are not really listening to each other when they're talking. We are preparing what we're going to say back and to keep in coaching is in its essence about truly listening and have your client being truly heard. And from there, uh, you can sort of make your all kinds of plans and coaching from there, but at a, at a space is truly listening and hearing. And you're right. I mean, we could do a whole show just on listening, right? Yeah. My, I yeah. have a, a very good friend of mine that always says two ears, one mouth for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and, I <laughs> and I can be a personality as well. And I could just be, you know, zooming down the highway of life and just talking, talking, talking. And I have to remind myself every day, two years, one mouth for a reason, because it's kind of also in those little pregnant pauses that you get the most of the sensing. So I wanted to ask you, like, how do you use that daily intuition? Is it through sensing? Is it through listening? Do you have a morning routine? Do you invite it in? Like as an expert, like what do you do to like prime this pump? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I really, I do this sort of three-step process. You know, that first step is kind of clearing the negative emotions. So Sometimes I'll just trap it, map it, zap it. I'll kind of reframe where I'm at. Or I do something called um, EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique. It's, it's also known as tapping. Yep, I'm I familiar think, with uh, tapping. Yeah, where I think that's really about, so many of us try to deny our emotions. Like, oh, I, I'm not, you know, you kind of just push it down. I'm not feeling anxious, I'm fine. Um, but tapping is, um, there's some great, interesting research around it where it just allows you to kind of feel what you're feeling, accept it, and kind of let it go. And so... I find for me, I tend to hold tension like in my body, my anxiety in my body. So the tapping for me is like a physical process that helps me just kind of release my anxiety. So I do that. And then step two is I get 
quiet. I have to, you know, get a little quiet so I can lead with my heart, not with my head. You know, it's really important. Is that like so, silence in the morning? Is it silence at night? Yeah. Or do you get up from your desk and take a, you know, five minute silence break in the bathroom? This is all in the morning. I kind of get up, I have my coffee and then uh, a cup of coffee and then I'll just kind of do some stretching and then I'll, then I'll do, I'll sit, I'll sort of clear the negative emotions and then I'll do a little meditation, getting quiet so I can lead with my heart, not with my head. And that for me is, um, sometimes it's hard to sit or sometimes we don't have a lot of time. So as a yoga teacher, I have a lot of breathing. I have a, big, a large bag of tricks. So, <laughs> so I'll do different breathing techniques. I have different mantras I use, depending how restless I feel. Sometimes it takes a little longer to kind of calm down and get to that quiet space. But I use a little breathing or meditation to get quiet so I can get out of my head. Because I will be like you, in my head, saying the same things over and over and over and over and over again if I don't, um, if I'm not actively kind of creating that space. So what's the third thing? If we have clearing, yeah. tapping, we're quiet. And what's the third thing? What's your third thing to access your intuition? Yeah. So the third is I just look for those signs. So once you've cleared that negative emotion, you've kind of opened the channel. And when you've gotten quiet, you're kind of out of your head and your heart. And then we can become aware of what's going on around us and look for those signs and um, and, and, and also kind of like what I said before, what intuition truly is to me is trusting myself. I feel like I've created that space for me to go forward with my day and trust, um, that I'm leading with my heart and being my truest, authentic self. And also I can look for sort of signs around me, um, that help, that are going to support me in the directions and decisions I want to take. So tell me about a time that you heard that little intuitive voice or you saw that sign or that hunch or you sensed something, but you avoided it or you didn't do it. And then how you were, what happened when you didn't like, you know, sometimes you hear that little voice and, and you're like, I know I should have done that, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, give us an example of when you totally blew it off. Uh, a lot of times um, <laughs> I will try to, you know, being a type A sort of high-functioning anxiety perfectionist that I am, I will like try, I'm like a pusher. I'll try to push and muscle my way and think my way through things and like logic my way through. Mm. And so I think I've probably, you know, in the past gone for jobs that maybe weren't a great fit, you know, that just kind of, because logically they made sense, they checked boxes, you know, things like that. Mm. Um, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of times where, I, where I've done that. I have a really interesting example of when I did um, listen to my um, my intuition that I wouldn't mind sharing. Yes, please. Let's, okay, let's cool. hear it. Um, well, it was part of my breast cancer treatment when I was, you know, there's, there's so much uncertainty at the beginning of when you're diagnosed with breast cancer, like has it traveled to the rest of your body? Will I need chemotherapy? And I was, it was during that time where I had just had my surgery, a mastectomy, I was cut up, I was home, couldn't really move. Um, and I was watching this TV show called The Fosters. It's like a cheesy family TV show with my daughter. And the song came on called Calling All Angels. And I think it's by, um, train, I can't remember who it's by. It by Train, maybe? I don't no, know. it's... Um, I'll find it, but okay. uh, 
it's a beautiful song. And I felt at that moment, I knew that I had like that I was not going to need chemotherapy or radiation in my heart of hearts. I knew that, that I had angels around me that were, that I don't know that were like supporting me and that I, that this was domestic me was kind of like the bulk of my treatment and that I was going to be spared chemotherapy and radiation. And that is what ended up happening. And who knows if it was right or wrong, but to me, that song came on and I was like, Oh, I feel like I'm surrounded by angels right now. And, (laughs) and I felt like I was. So that's a great example of kind of just trusting it and going with it. And it probably also helped you mitigate some fear and some anxiety that was coming around. And I, I agree, like, you know, once you have cleared the path for your intuition to be heard, then it kind of informs you, it helps you make better decisions. And I think what people maybe lose in their everyday uh, lives, especially the lives we've lived in contemporary society now, is that inability to be quiet, to have some sort of cool morning uh, routine or evening routine. And what I've also been working with, and I want to hear your opinion on this, some of my clients I've been saying, look, work in 25-minute blocks or 50-minute blocks and take a 10-minute breather. Like literally get up, go have a tea, mindfully wash your hands, redirect your thoughts, stretch your body, get out of like the Zoom fatigue, webinar fatigue. Um, In the same way, the reason why I like podcasts is it kind of allows you to take a break, right? And take information with you that can hopefully inspire you. But what I'm suggesting is that in a different way than you are is like clear the way for that intuition to come in. Because I was doing a lot of uh, research as we were kind of relaunching the podcast and the neuroscience behind it says, of course, we have familiar patterns in our brain, right? And because of all of our experiences over the course of each of our lifetime that will help us make these super subconscious decisions in a split second. And that combined with our intuition, like this weird sixth sense, like you just knew you weren't going to need the chemo. And then the song validated that further. I think probably you had a good sense of self for whatever reason. In the same way when you saw the blister, like something's wrong. This isn't just some weird sweat blister. You know, I think it it informs us. So I want to ask you, when you have um, any kind of inner mind chatter, are you always doing your trap it, map it, zap it? Or do you have other things that you do? Are you still teaching yoga? And, and is that inner mind chatter just self-induced or what happens when you're dealing with people that are like hard to, um, deal with? And especially nowadays, there's so much stress going on. Tell me about what, what beyond the trap it, map it, zap it you do. Yeah, no, I do. I do a lot of different, a lot of different things. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's very much a practice for me, you know, our well-being, our health, our self-care is, I think the hard part is that it's not a one and done. You're never like, oh, okay, I got there. Great. I'm good. <laughs> and, you know, the rest of your life, you're like disgusting. It's like, it is an ongoing practice that we all need to integrate into our lives. And I, I think that I always say this to my clients, that the challenge with self-care is not, is not what to do. We all know pretty much what we should do. <laughs> yeah, we you all know, know what to do. <laughs> it's like, it's how to do it, you know? And um, so, so, you know, creating a morning practice like that I have now is took me a long time to get that in place. And, you know, it's, it's, but it's important. It's very important to me, you know, what you focus on will flourish and um, 100%. So, you know, I put some focus around it and, and made it happen. But, but that being said, to your point, we, 
um, we have our brains are, you know, are wired to default to sort of habitual, what we call thinking styles. You know, there's a sort of habits in the way we view the world, the way we explain why things happen, the way we explain our own actions. And, and those are kind of like shortcuts our brains take to kind of process the world. And those can kind of lead us astray, can kind of cause us a lot of stress. And so I do have a bunch of techniques beyond Trap and Napa Zabbit that I like to use. And but some are super simple, you know, techniques like how around. Do you, how do you install a daily practice? Like, how do you get people to bite down? I think many of our listeners that come here come here to be re- renewed, refreshed, and like, yeah, I know what to do. I just don't do it. Or I yeah. get on a program for three weeks, I have great success, and it falls apart. And then I'm like, oh, I can't do it. It doesn't work anymore. But in reality, <laughs> they stop doing it. So yeah. what do you tell people? Or what do you tell yourself? Because I'm sure, you know, I yeah. do it. So I'm assuming everyone does it, right? We have a a success with the program and then we're like mm, okay it doesn't work anymore yeah well you need to get some coaching from me is what you need <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> and me too <laughs> yeah yes exactly we're both of us um no so step one is is really creating a vision for your health like what does what is what does health mean to you like what does it look like for you what does it make possible like if you do i, I don't know implement a daily meditation practice, if that's what you want to do, what does that make possible? Does, does that make possible you having the energy and inspiration to, um, to kill it at work for your family? Is that what, what does ideal health? Is it you, your health vision? Is it having the energy to get everything done you need to in life? Is it, what is it? So you you know, kind of think, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you just hit the nail on the head. Like what does that thing you do make something possible? So it's almost de- defining what you want that possibility to be. And, and, you need- mm-hmm. and I feel like we all set up these wild lists of goals. You know, some of us are human doings instead of human beings. And we've got these wild, wild lists, but we don't even know at the end of the day, like, what is, what is it? What are we trying to go after? Or is it just, yeah. you know, what we're caught up in, you know, that a personality or, you know, I need to, we often say on this show, we don't should on each other and we don't should on ourselves because that's <laughs> almost like works backwards. Right. So I'm that's loving right. what you're saying. Like, what is that thing that you're doing, whether it's a morning routine make possible? So you have you- to connect with your why you just have to, because what's going to happen is we all think change happens in this like straight line of like time awesomeness and then a straight line going, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> the center. but it doesn't, you go up and down and the back and forward and up, up and down and going, okay. Oh, well, I kind of lost my way, you know, and then you kind of fizzle up. So you have to have your why to go back to because it will get hard and you will lose steam and you need to, I mean, we need to remember that why, you know, I'm doing this for, for me, my vision, like going through my breast cancer treatment was, I have to prioritize my self-care and my vision was because I need to take care of me because if I don't take care of me, I literally will not be able to take care of anyone else. So that was, you know, that for me was, boom, Is that your you know? anchor to this day? Is that your anchor now? Is that still yeah. your why? Yeah. So definitely. how have you installed your self-care now a year later with great success, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I have my morning practice, which I've shared with you guys already. And, um, you know, that's a really big part. I have. Do you ever fall off? Do you ever fall off? Of course. I'm not, I'm not perfect. But the thing is, is 
I just keep, I just get back on the horse. Just get back on. You don't have to judge. We're all going to fall off. We're all not going to not be perfect. But the key is to just get up and get back on and keep going forward and start again. Just so it's almost like again. don't shame yourself. Just get back don't, on. Don't just get go. caught up. Don't get caught up in that story because it's going to happen. We're not perfect. We have, we all have busy, complex lives. The key is to just get back on. Yeah. And, so I'm um, going to ask you, when you're working with your clients or anyone, um, and you say, you know, I'm sensing this, or I, you know, I had this, you know, sense that we should do this, or I just knew, do you ever get pushback like, oh, intuition, that's not real. That's just like too voo-voo. Do you ever get any um, of that at all? Well, I, I may not use the actual word intuition, you know, that, that, but, um, I think you always calibrate for who your audience is. Some people are more open to it than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, it, you know, it comes by many names, trusting yourself, um, trusting, you know, forces beyond ourselves, you know, listening to your inner voice. They have lots, of, I feel like there's lots of ways we can talk about intuition that feel more accessible for people. It's a hard nugget to chew sometimes, right? It's got too many, yeah. too many uh, yeah. urban connotations. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I want to just, as we're kind of concluding here, I want to know, like, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? Is there anything wildly um, in that bucket list you haven't hit yet? I think I, today I feel so thankful. It's probably the first you know time in my life where I can really say that I, absolutely love what I'm doing. I feel like I am 100% in, um, in my sweet spot where I'm, you know, I love working at Mecolibrium. It's such an amazing product that helps people build their resilience at scale and manage their stress. I'm helping people really um, change their lives. And then through my coaching practice, I'm supporting individuals and coaching them through to, you know, to access their best self. And for me, this is amazing. I feel like I am living my values and my mission, and I'm I'm psyched about it. Is there anything that you'd want to give our listeners as a best tip to move forward, or anything that they can ponder, uh, maybe that they can implement in their lives as sort of a takeaway yes. today? Like, what's the number one thing you know that that they can move on there's one thing there's one thing that i do that um and we do as a fan and my family that is just so easy and it can be such a game changer so we as we already talked about we're wired for the negative but we can literally rewire our brain to experience positive emotions more easily and quickly by practicing some like simple gratitude and positivity techniques and one of my favorites is super simple it's just called three great things and all you do is have to think think of three good things that are happening to you in a day or or you know, in a week. And we do this around the dinner table at my house. And we go around and everyone just talks about three great things. And they can be the tiniest thing from I got a package today or I had a nice call with my mom to the big stuff. And and during this time of COVID, you know, it can be hard to find those three things. But the process of going through and noticing them and finding them and sharing them around the table are it totally shifts from the negative to the positive and we 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 all kind of now notice and scan for these the good instead of defaulting and noticing and scanning for what's not working what a great 
tool and a great thing to do. And it reminds me of my book, The Daily Drive, because then you take those three great things and you write them down as if they are I am statements, right? Get them out on paper. I'm so thankful that we've had this time with you, Alana, today. You can find Alana at The Stress Coach and thestresscoach.org. Stress Coach is the YouTube channel, thestresscoach.org. And Microlibrium is online, and not only on uh, Facebook, but on LinkedIn. And what I love about them is they help master the skills needed to overcome any obstacle uh, from a corporate uh, employee level. Increase agility, which I believe really helps you tap into your intuition and gain that adaptive capability to transform your organization. So I'm so thankful for your time today, Alana. And if you want to transform your life, whether it's to be a better leader, a better friend, a better lover, a better spouse, coworker, even pet owner, or just a friend of yourself, stop by here weekly and fuel up on the Daily Drive with Denise. If you love the show, please find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Tell us what you like and share it. It's how you feel your mind, your body, your spirit that ultimately creates the life you live. Fuel it well. Fuel it here on The Daily Drive. Thank you, everyone. We'll see Thank you next week. Thank you so week. much. Thank you, Alana. Thanks, guys.